In John chapter 14, verse 27, remember this is taking place in the upper room uh, uh, at the conclusion of the Passover feast. In fact, uh, um, this is just near the conclusion time of the Passover feast. And this, this message of Jesus's, it starts in the upper room and then it will continue in John chapter 15 uh, uh, on the way to, to uh, the Mount of Olives, Gethsemane, the, the halfway up that Mount of Olives, and then uh, conclude there in, in, in John 15, 16, and 17. All right, let's start reading from verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Probably one of the most underlying themes of, of prayer requests that we get from this class as you fill things out is people feel that they're under stress because of exams and stress because of this and they want peace and be able to rest or they, or they can't sleep because they keep thinking about all their work. Jesus says to us, He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Think of the life of Jesus. Think of his life. Do you ever see him flustered like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? It's all these crowds. What are we going to do? Do you ever see that? I mean, this is us. This is me. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus was just, you know, he could just take it. I mean, sometimes he was tired. He'd fall asleep in a boat that's just going, you know, so turbulent that, that people think they're going to die in it. And he's sleeping. So certainly he got tired. There were times that he would try to get his disciples alone away from the crowd so that they could get some rest, but the rest didn't always follow them because crowds would follow them. <clears throat> but still he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Remember, imagine the peace that Jesus went through. Everything was okay. There was a lot of work that was left undone in the sense that there were still lots of sick people in those cities when he left. He didn't cure everybody. He didn't heal everybody. There were lots of sick people left in those cities. And we know that because Jesus would say, we have to go now. We have to move to the next city. He says, but my peace I give to you. This ability to have peace in the midst of, still there were many things that were left to be done, but he said, this is not my job. He had to go on to another place. He had to leave somebody for the disciples to heal after he left. He says, my peace I give to you. This is a man who knew how to rest. And then he says, my peace I give to you. Wow, what a gift. What a promise. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So in other words... There is a peace that's offered by the world, but it's not the same as the peace of Jesus. Then he says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Again, it's the same thing that, that was in verse 1 of this chapter. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let. In other words, this is my role in this. This is my part. It's not like, boom, magic. There is something that I have to take myself. Do not let your heart be troubled. I have to make a decision to walk in peace. It's not as if, oh, well, you know, boom, he's going to drop it on me. I'll be peaceful. 
I make a decision. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I make a decision not to walk in fear. God's promise is there, but He says, don't let it. In other words, we have the ability to let or not let. We have the ability to allow this peace, to to take hold of this peace which He offers, or the ability to shun this peace. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm just like you guys. I mean, sometimes I'll just just think at night, wow, wow, i got so much to do. Or sometimes I'll just wake up at night and if I start thinking of all that I have to do, I, I'm sorry to get back to sleep. Does that ever happen to you? And, and uh, um, you are at a stage in your life where this is the beginning of a trend where you can either learn to walk in peace or not walk in peace. This is a time in your life where school items can just mount upon you. And did you know that professors get together to try to schedule all the things at once? How can we make it most difficult for the students? That's the plan. We get together with these planning sessions to be able to do this. So this is certainly the feeling of students, but this hasn't changed. When I was in school, I felt the same way. When I was in school, I thought you could never, I could never get through all of this. Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. So this is what you've got to learn to do. You say, Lord, your word says that you would give me your peace. The peace that you had here on earth, you said you would give to me. Lord, give me your peace, I pray. Give me your peace. I decide for my heart not to be troubled. I decide not to be fearful. Lord, you will get me through. Give me your peace. And the amazing thing is, God answers prayer. Most people don't receive answers to prayer, the Bible says. He says, you do not receive because you do not ask. The vast majority of the time, we've just simply not asked. And the rest of it is, we've not asked in faith. Alright, so we need to ask, and we need to ask in faith. You take this portion when you're just totally flustered and just memorize this verse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And then pray that back to the Lord. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Lord, you said you would give me your peace. You told me that you would give me your peace. Lord, may your peace come upon me. May your peace come upon me. And pray this back to the Lord. You said that you would give me peace as the world doesn't know. That it would be different. Lord, give me a different sort of peace. Learn to say this prayer. And this will help you throughout your life. Now, let, let's, let's look. Um, let's turn over to... Well, let, let's look back up at this verse that I intentionally skipped in verse 13 of that same chapter. John chapter 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, does in my name mean that I can ask anything and I say, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I've asked in His name. Or is it something more involved than that? I know people who, who feel that if you ask anything of God without saying, in Jesus' name, at the end, that it doesn't work. I know people like that. 
because he says, if you ask anything in my name, well, what does that mean? So, so if, if, um, if, I, if I ask you to go and do something and you go and do it, and, uh, and I say, uh, uh, could you go ask the janitor for a broom so that we can clean something up here? So you go and you go to the janitor to get a broom. If you don't say, in Dr. Tour's name, does it not work? No, you can go. And you've been commissioned by me. You go, you get the broom. You don't have to say, in Dr. Tour's name. You can, you can do that and, 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 and uh, uh, you can get something. And so, so, does it really mean, in my name, or does it mean that whatever I ask for and say, in Jesus' name, I'm going to get that would be a very terrible God if that were the case. Because people have very wicked hearts. You remember the old saying that uh, a man was working in a... man had a uh, hardware store. And there was his competitor had a hardware store just down the road. And as he's cleaning up in the hardware store, he's brushing off this lamp and he brushes this lamp and a genie comes out. And the genie says, I'll grant you one wish, but whatever I grant you... I'm going to give twice as much to your competitor down the road. So he thought for a minute, he said, I wish that I were blind in one eye. And so, you know, people are really devious. People will pray for really bad things. So what kind of God would put upon us that whatever you ask for in my name, you're going to get? That's silliness. That doesn't occur. Did you know there, there are things that I have asked for in my Christian life that I didn't get, and I am so happy that I didn't get them? Has that ever happened to you? You pray that somebody will become your spouse and it doesn't work out. Be thankful. (laughs) Has anybody ever done that? And you can be really thankful that it didn't work out because you see what the outcome would have been. Thank the Lord that He doesn't just He's not just a genie that we ask of things in His name and He gives it. In His name, you know, even look at the prayers that are prayed. Does it just mean in His name? Or in His name is according to His will, according to what He desires. If you ask me any, if you ask anything in my name, what does that mean? Just by saying in Jesus' name? Or does it mean that it's according to the pattern of God? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Then he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So much is connected with this sort of of, of fellowship with him. Look, Look in verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and we will love him and will disclose and and. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. There is a fellowship. There is a union that comes in this fellowship with Jesus. And he connects this directly to having his commandments and keeping them. You have the commandments of God and the only way you can know the commandments of God are to read the scriptures. That's the only way you can know. And then to keep them. And then he says... This is an indication of your love for me. And if you have this, my Father will love you and I will disclose myself to you. I will disclose to you my will. 
Look in verse 28. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. And he who does not keep my he who does not love me does not keep my words and the word with you which you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me do you see how connected these are the keeping of the commandments the keeping of the word of god the keeping of the commandments with an indication of love you say well you can't judge whether i love god or not I, look i don't want to judge you i got i got to judge my own life but how do I judge my love for God? It's in accordance with the keeping of His commandments. This is not a wishy-washy thing. This is so specific. And He repeats it again and again here. Now turn over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, He continues the same discourse. This hasn't ended. This isn't an intermission. John 14 runs right into John 15. There are no chapter breaks in the original text. I am the true vine... My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So He is establishing right up front, He says, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So this is to believers. He is speaking to believers, people who have accepted Him. It's the same thing that He had told that he had told uh, um, uh, uh, Peter when he was washing the feet, he said, you're already clean, you just need to have your feet washed. Meaning that Peter had already accepted him. You're already clean, he establishes that. He says, I'm the vine, my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. In fact, this can also mean he lifts up. It is a common thing and you will see it. If you go, if you go to Israel, you will see very often the Arabs do this a lot. The, the Israelis will, will, will have their vines growing up over a, a, a wooden platform. The, the Arabs will take their vines and they, they lift them up off the ground and they will put rocks underneath them so they're above the ground about six inches. And, and uh, this very, because this, this uh, uh, takeaway, this same takeaway is in many other instances in the New Testament translated as lifted up. So it may well have that context too, that it's lifted up because now it will bear fruit much better once it's lifted up off the ground. He says, and then he says, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So there's a pruning that takes place. This is Christian life. Christian life is not necessarily a simple life. It is a blessed life, but it is not necessarily simple. He says, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. There is now this whole context of abiding. We are going to see the same thing about asking. This asking is coupled directly with abiding, which is coupled directly with keeping of commandments. He says that abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. You know, I've had this conversation with believers, with believers, and they've drifted back into the world and they say, well, you know, I have a lot of friends and they do good things. I say, okay. But little by little, this person becomes more and more cynical 
and they become more and more like the world. And he says, unless you abide in me, you can't bear fruit. The fruit will start to fade very, very quickly. Because left to ourselves, it is not a pretty sight. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, I'm not saying this. Jesus said this. Jesus is saying to believers, apart from him, you can do nothing. I liken this word of abiding as being like under an, an, an umbrella. So we're under this umbrella. We can choose to step out from under this umbrella and expose ourselves to the world. He says we should abide in Him. We have every chance not to abide. He doesn't say, you will, if you try to step out from here, no, He doesn't have to do this. As soon as you start stepping out from under that umbrella, life will become really tough for the believer. Really tough. And I counsel with men and they say, you know, my wife doesn't listen to me. My kids don't listen to me. I don't know what's happening. I said, it doesn't surprise me because you have no authority in your life. You're not under the covering of the local church. You're not under the covering of the fellowship that comes in the body of Christ that they are all rebelling from you doesn't surprise me. You've stepped out from underneath this umbrella and they've stepped out from under you. Everything at work is bad for you? Well, let me ask you this. Have you stepped out from this place of abiding? There is a covering that comes that brings blessing and grace in our lives. He says, he says uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. In, in uh, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now you can say, well, does that mean that they're going to lose their salvation? No, it doesn't. This is just the blessings that you will lose, the rewards that you will lose. There are rewards that are lost. If you, 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 can, you can understand this better. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to start reading from verse 10. A believer is not lost. A believer is not thrown into the lake of fire. This is the burning up of the works if you're not abiding in Jesus. This is the loss of rewards. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God which has been given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he establishes the foundation of our faith is Jesus Christ. But now, how will we build upon that foundation? Verse 12. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. The works will burn up if they are not of God. You say, well, you know, I, I, I just got to focus in on this. I just got to do... The works are going to burn up. I want lasting things in my life. I want lasting things. 
The Bible is very specific. You build upon this foundation of Christ. You abide with Him. Let's turn back to, to, uh, to John chapter, John chapter uh, 15. We are to abide in Him. Now let me tell you, it said, it said in John chapter 14, He who has my commandments and keeps them. You cannot have His commandments without reading the Bible. You say, well, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Great. I'm glad the Holy Spirit speaks to you. He should speak to you. But you are not going to understand the commandments of God just by the Holy Spirit speaking to you, devoid of the Word of God. The Scriptures speak into our lives. The Scriptures speak into our lives. And this is what you do. The Bible is very specific. Day after day after day, we are to take of Him. It says in, in, in uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to, all, to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. It is day and night meditation. Day and night meditation. Uh-uh. The, the Scriptures say, How blessed is the man, in, verse, in Psalm chapter 1, How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. In his law he meditates day and night. The Scriptures are very specific. It says day and night, and in some places it says every day. Oh, how I love your law. In verse, nine, verse 119, uh, chapter 119 of Psalm, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. They are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. There is no promise of blessing that comes by once a week reading your Bible, or even three times a week reading your Bible. The Bible is very specific. It says either every day or day and night. What I am sharing with you is a treasure that very few believers ever tap into. And that is daily meditation on the Word of God. Without it, it is very tough to abide. Because you do not know His commandments, and you, you, you move out away from Him very, very quickly. You take... His word of the Word of God, and you begin to pull into it. When I was discipled, when I was your age, I was discipled by a man named T.E. Koshi and another man named Brother Bok Singh. And they used to tell me, you take your Bible. And in fact, the way they would instruct me, they would tell me, you take your Bible and you just take it and you fall on your knees and begin to ask God to speak to you through it. But this is how. Very specific. You pick it up, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. You read your way through to, through Revelation chapter 22, when you're done, you start again. I'm not putting that upon you. It's not scriptural. I'm just t- telling you the way that I was taught to read. You can read in any order you want, but you're to read the whole thing. So for me, I pick up le- reading where I left off the day before. And you say, Lord, as I read this portion, speak to me. Bring life. Speak to me. And this is why I love the Word of God. I love even the genealogies. I love that. Because God speaks to me. And I'm like, oh, I remember that guy. I didn't know this was this person's son and this person's grandson. You will begin to love the Word of God. And you say, Lord, speak to me through the Scriptures. Speak to me. Without daily meditation on the Word of God, you will be weak and it will be very tough to abide and stay under that umbrella of protection. 
There is an abiding. That's why he coupled it so close to keeping commandments. And this is why he says in John chapter 15, in John chapter 15, he says in uh, um, verse, verse 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. But again, this abiding can be somewhat nebulous. What do you mean abiding? Here you go. If you keep my commandments in verse 10, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Oh, that I understand. That's not, that's not uh, 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 ethereal anymore. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. How much more specific could He have been? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You cannot know His commandments without knowing His Word. It's not something that you just go walking along, oh, the Holy Spirit told me commandments about of Jesus. It doesn't happen that way. You get them through His Word. And it comes through daily meditation. You show me a man or you show me a woman that for two hours a day will spend hours a day in His Word. I will show you someone who's very strong. I was speaking to a campus minister and he told me that he will not set his first appointment until he has had, he has to have three hours from the time he wakes up to the time his first appointment. And I know what he's talking about. He's got to get washed up. He's got to get drunk. He's got to spend time in the Word of God. I was speaking with another minister. And he's just totally wiped out. Totally wiped out. I said, let me ask you something. Do you read your Bible every day? He says, hardly. No way. I said, no wonder why you're totally wiped out. I said, how do you have anything to teach your people? He says, well, you know, we've got these things. Or you just read this and it tells you what questions to ask them. I said, there's zero life in that. He says, yeah, that's what I thought. I said, you get zero life out of it, they get zero life out of it. He says, but all the other pastors are like that with me. I said, well, all of you are devoid of abiding in Him. And this is what it is. You go to all these places and people will read a verse and then just tell you a story. And, and, and the verse itself becomes perfunctory. It becomes just an appendage to revolve around their fishing story or whatever. There's no life. I'm telling you here, in the Word of God, there is life. There is abiding through the Word of God. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. He who loves me keep my command, keeps my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you will keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This is where we get it, through the Word of God. If you will, every day, every day, that's not five days a week, that's seven days a week, every day, get in the Word of God, you will be strong, and I don't have to worry about you anymore. Because you will be fine in life if you take this Word of God and make it your meditation. If you don't, you won't. You won't be fine. And you will always see that, how come I'm really no different than anyone in the world? Because you don't have the commandments of God in you and you're not abiding. That's why. It is very specific. You take the Word of God and you make it your daily meditation. And then you start appropriating this peace. You start appropriating these things. Lord, let not my heart be troubled. I decide not to let my heart be troubled this day. You take the Word of God in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. For the truth of Your Word. That You give us the prescription for abiding in You. Father, I pray for these young believers here this day that from this day they would take up Your Word and every day meditate on it and say, Lord, speak to me. 
through your word. Speak to me through the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would cause them from this day to take this word seriously and that they would bear much fruit by abiding in you. That they would have very successful lives full of the fruit of God just coming forth, touching the lives of hundreds and thousands of people through the people here because they abide in you. And that then they might know what it is to ask in your name. Father, I pray that you would so fill them. And Lord, I pray for those here that do not know you, who cannot abide in you because they're not yet clean. Father, I pray that this day they would pray this prayer. Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Wash me clean by the blood of Jesus and save my soul. Father, draw them to your Son this day, I pray. And I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.